Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step to 53342. New York, call the 24-7 Hope Line at 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what do you think? It's showtime. Welcome back to another episode of Winning Time. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. <laughs> another, <laughs> another episode of Showtime. I'm your host, Jason hey, Madison. Oh. Uh-oh. That's we froze. Who froze? <laughs> There we go. He's back. <laughs> Birdman hand rub. <laughs> it's Jason Madison. Joined as always by my co-hosts, Bethany Anderson and Anthony Mays. What up, y'all? How y'all You're... feeling? Yo. Feeling good. Feeling good. How about Yo. you? I'm How good. You we never we never ask. We never throw the question back. How are you doing, Jason? You know, I'm good. Um, you know, been working, watching some TV. Um, I was chopping at the Carhartt store. Feeling good about my new uh, crew neck. Um, right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, my birthday's coming up in a month, uh, May 26th, a month from now. So, hey, hey. 
Excited. One day after my birthday, yes. Wait, what? Uh, yeah, May 25th. How did we not ever discuss that? I didn't know Just that. Bethany and the Geminis chopping it up. <laughs> oh, Showtime. Wow. And yeah. we're the good Geminis. We're the May Geminis. So those, that's the best guy. <laughs> I didn't uh, know that true? was the thing. Just yeah. Found out. There you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kanye and Donald Trump are both June Geminis. Uh, we've, we've got Andre 3000 and uh, Lauren That's Hill. Kendrick's birthday. He's he's June too. He's June too. He's he's a good one. So is he? A, he's a bad um, one or what? No, no, he's a good Jason's one. Jason's rubric that he just drew up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally arbitrary line yeah. of the sand that we've drawn amongst the Gemini's. No, we'll no take I'm Kendrick just on our side though. Well, yeah, exactly. We're, we're adopting Kendrick. Nah, I'm. I'm just playing. A lot of people are super into, um, you know, horoscopes and shit like that. And everybody's like, oh, yeah. March Aries and April Aries, all that stuff. Anyway, so that's very random fact. Me and Mays are one day apart. Um, <laughs> Mays, what did you think of this week's uh, Atlanta episode? Oh, God. Uh, White fashion. Thank, Thankfully, this is a safe space. Since B dropped the season-long thesis of this is the crucifixion of the white ally it has really opened my eyes to every single episode experience and this one was the most ridiculous yet yeah because we are taken fully inside the system and now it's not just white allies it's white corporate allies specifically yeah. in the fashion industry and i i mean paperboy brian tyree henry virtuoso performance in this episode yes yes like mind-blowing shit it. yeah and darius's plot line ripped my heart out mm-hmm. hey I, and so i just want to say like i have to publicly apologize to donald glover because wow we did it <laughs> We did he, it, folks. He gave he gave me two back to back episodes that were really good, and this one answered all of the questions that I had posed to him previously. Maybe not all of them in, in terms of like the black woman aspect, but mm-hmm. he's he had a new, interesting, needed, necessary take on race and race politics, and showed what's going on behind the curtain in the most clever and creative way. And I was so happy that he picked this topic and the way that he did it, I thought was perfect. Like watching this, the opening scene, oh my gosh, it just, all I could do was shake my head. The part where, you know, he's explaining the whole Central Park thing and he was like, you know, we're going to put the five on there for our five year anniversary. And you look around this room, there's no one in there to be like, hold on, that's not a good idea. And it's like this in so many rooms, corporate America and fashion, like every everywhere. There's so many people who are just moving without anyone saying, hey, let's let's take another look at that. Let's kind of edit this and, and try to do something different. Yeah, this like, actually happened to me. So that's oh. the that's the craziest thing. About OK, let's this. hear it. <laughs> so during the pandemic, I was working for Panavision, um, but I was working for a subdivision of, of them called Lightiron. And. Uh, we were not, we were working remotely and the George Floyd murder happened. Um, there were protests in Los Angeles 
and in Hollywood where the offices are and the building was boarded up. And so there was a whole like, I don't know, like a all hands on deck meeting and, you know, over Zoom, it's like 60, 80 people, however many people, you know, in the company all in this call with the CEO of my company and Panavision and all these people. And we have a whole hour and a half conversation about things going on in the facility, the pandemic, all this, all that. And they did not mention the George Floyd murder or why the the, the building was boarded up. <laughs> like they totally ignored the whole thing. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. Like they're about to get off the call. And I like spoke up and said something. And then they were like, and I so I said, um, you guys don't want to talk about the elephant in the room, and they were like, "No, what? What do you mean?" And I, and I and I said, "The reason why the building is boarded up." And then I said that for a couple minutes and talked about what was going on, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, oh yeah," and just kind of like pacified the conversation, got off the call. A bunch of people hit me up on Slack afterwards, like, "Thank you for saying something," you know. And so wow. I I was furious, and like I end up hitting up the CEO of my company, and then he ended up telling me, okay, yeah, you know, this is a good conversation. You should talk to the CEO of Panavision about this. And so basically, long story short, I ended up talking to the CEO of Panavision, and they ended up donating like 100 grand to this like black women's like film like organization, you know, um, because they felt basically so bad about what they did and how they were handling the situation. And I was just calling them out like, like, y'all don't see, like, how fucked up this whole thing is, like, you know, and just telling them about the inequalities in the industry and, like, y'all didn't send nothing out. Like, everybody's dealing with this right now. Y'all didn't say nothing. Like, y'all don't think this is crazy? And so, wow. yeah, that was their response. Like, oh, yeah. And it was all of the same thing, too. Like, because I was, you know, I was edging for everything. I'm like, y'all should have a black person in the room when y'all, like, mm -hmm. dealing with all of these yeah. information. You know, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's good. You, you know, and I was like, yeah, whether that's me or somebody else, you know. And this was all of the same stuff that happened in this episode. It was just so crazy. Like, I went through this exact scenario, you know. And they were just like, same thing. Like, we can't give, uh, you, know, you know, like, we can't pay you money or we can't pay so-and-so money, but we could give a donation or we could do this. Because I was like, y'all should donate cameras to uh, inner city school and y'all should do this. Like, you know, I'm like, y'all should do yeah. all kind of things, set up a program, a film program. Like y'all should be like really changing, you know, what y'all do on a base level, how it deals with the black community. And this is a perfect opportunity. And they were just like, oh, we're dealing with the pandemic, but we'll try to do what we can. You know, all these people are furloughed, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, so me watching this episode was like reliving that you know but obviously on steroids and then he entered the whole like fashion because we had the gucci thing last year right or whatever as well so it was like a perfect mix and then we got darius with the food which was an excellent storyline for him because i felt like he was a real person you know for the first time yeah. like we really got into the soul of who he was and i, I just i love how they they put that storyline in there you know we we had the whole gucci situation and then before that, we had the H and M situation where they had the you know black kid in the um, hoodie that said "coolest monkey in the jungle." And it's like, how do we just get to the point where this is published and printed and out there in stores? 
and no one said anything like how how does it get that far without being checked yeah this episode just it was so triggering because it just reminded you like yeah this this shit really happened yeah i the the reparations one we talked about how it kind of had like a horror vibe to it Right. This was so mm. much scarier because it's fucking real, dude. Yeah. Everything yeah. that they did in this episode happened, has happened, will happen again. Yeah. And, I mean, the Darius one, let's do that one first because we can knock yeah. that out, right? Some some lady who works for the fashion house is going to get him lunch, and he wants Jaffa rice, and she has no clue what the fuck that is. So she comes Joel to off. ask him. Jo- Joel yeah, Joel off rice. rice. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I don't know what it is either. I'm <laughs> snitching on myself here. And so he takes her to a Nigerian spot across town. And she seems genuinely interested in it. And she's going to talk to the owner. And she wants to get a business card. And she's trying to Shazam the song that's on. <laughs> and is your Shazam yeah. working? Because mine's not. <laughs> and then a couple weeks later, I mean, you know, we, it's a time lapse of some amount. We don't totally know. But Darius right. goes back to get the rice that he wants so badly. It's a little taste of home. They're closed. And out front, we've got a food truck. Naja Bowl, baby. Naja Bowl, oh, baby. It she broke named my a heart. bowl after him. The Darius. Complete with the peaches from, from Georgia, you know. That's right. And I got yes, I live in, in San Francisco. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, see, that is sure. that has been happening constantly for the last twenty to thirty years. Yeah, and it's it just oh man, gentrification, folks. There it is. That's yeah, gentrification in a nutshell, right there. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, and I forgot one detail. She she didn't even talk to the owner of the restaurant. She went straight to the landlord. They were trying to sell. Bing, bang, boom. Never talked to her. She's gone. No problems. Stole her thing. Move on. That woman was so sweet to them, and she just undercut her. Just took just took the building. Right. That's just so wild. Like that that part. First of all, I love the whole vibe of the restaurant. Like, it just felt like home. I'm sure people who are looking for that type of food, you know, that type of cultural reconnection, um, they go there, they have the music, they have the authentic food, they have the authentic experience. And what I really liked was seeing the woman with the baby on her lap and she's feeding the baby soup. And you can just see the thickness of the okra. And so when the lady, she's like, you know, so what is she having? And Darius looks over. It's like, oh, it's okra soup. Like, I knew that just by the texture of the soup. Like, you know, and this woman is just so oblivious to everything happening around her. And the yeah. only thing she can think about is like how to, you know, make this place more popular. It's like, how have I never heard of this? It's like, right. because right. it's not for you, babes. It's not for right. you. <laughs> but that's the thing is that, you know, part of the whole, I don't even know how to explain it. Colonization factor between mm-hmm. white people and black people, especially like in in the African and British or European balance. Um, there's this idea of like, you know, we're gonna take your curry, we're gonna take your your slang. Like, you know, they 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 steal it in a different way than the white American would. You know, like. The white yeah. American is much more violent in the, its display and portrayal of of the black culture. You know, like 
when they take something, it it usually looks a lot more egregious or gross. But right. the way the way that these Europeans do it, their their finesse game is just on point, <laughs> and it's just like. She just slid right in there and like. It's like they don't care. They yeah. don't care how they look. They're just gonna take it and then be like, "Hey, and I named it after you. How about that?" Like, yeah. wait a minute, just adding insult to injury. It's like they fetishize the culture. Yeah. But can I know? Can I can I point something out about this whole episode? Hmm. I hope you do. Um, where was socks? Right. I was wondering what happened to my nigga socks. <laughs> <laughs> They got him up out of here. Yeah. I really hope so. I yeah. really Maybe hope that he's he is nowhere to be found. Maybe he's getting plugs put in to fix that hairline. You know what I'm saying? That has amount of commission for a couple of days. Yeah. Because <laughs> when I saw the title of the episode being White Fashion, before I pr- pressed play, I thought that he was going to have something to do with like, you know, maybe they were praising the way that he dresses or whatever and like right. put him on some sort of pedestal. But when I saw the direction they were going, I'm like, oh, okay. I completely forgot about socks until like, five minutes ago right. yeah they put themselves <laughs> in a weird little pickle here by kind of loosely defining the time mm-hmm. right right especially with just the van like van was gone and and yeah. then when Ern caesar he's like you've been gone a couple weeks wasn't it like so six we weeks or something we know that it's been weeks now yeah. you know and then like however long this woman took to completely steal the Nigerian restaurant's business, like that's also a timeline. So they're, you know, right, they kind right. of do better when they exist in a capsule episode like the party, where yeah. there's yeah. no context. When you start to have a little bit of context for Atlanta, you start asking questions like, "Where the fuck is sucks?" <laughs> yeah, they're fast and loose with the timelines in the show. Fast and loose, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're Not just a trying to get priority for them, man. No, they're just trying to get their point across, and I respect it. Um, yeah. But th- speaking of stealing, Van does show up. Um, yeah. On her Winona Ryder bullshit. <laughs> right. Now, now has she just been going around Europe, just gaffling shit, just commandeering whatever she likes. <laughs> Well, we saw how reckless she was acting at the party, right? So just um, like just um, extrapolate yeah. that out, right? Like right, right, right. Just doing whatever she wants, waiting for somebody to <laughs> to grab her aggressively in a hotel lobby. <laughs> Which that lady was still out of line, like that's way the whole out of line. Way the fuck way out, out of line. line. Like, bitch, get your fucking <laughs> yeah, get your fucking hands off me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, that Jamie Foxx and Denzel meme. Like, but I love how it was go ahead he came he came to her defense in that situation and they finessed a a presidential suite out of it that was really cool but you know even though he came came to her came to her defense he was you know still had questions like hey girl did you steal that wig or not And she kind of, you know, avoided the question yeah, and classic. kissed him. And Use boom. sex as a distraction. You know? Exactly. <laughs> what these leftover women are always doing. <laughs> Shout out to Kevin Samuel. <laughs> oh, man. Is Van a leftover woman? <laughs> what would you rate Van? Van, oh, boy. Van is probably like a cool seven, six and a half, seven. She's a, yeah, she's a strong seven. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Zazie Beats is a higher number, but Van. But Van I don't, is, I don't is know okay. too much about Van other than she's got kind of a reckless wild side. 
Yeah, I'm yeah. saying like she's obviously a thief. She doesn't respond to texts. She's obviously a thief. <laughs> she's she's a passive aggressive thumbs up. Text. Yeah. Anybody that sends that thumbs up, that's a point off already. So <laughs> yeah. Jason is Oops. not feeling that. <laughs> no. No, and neither was Earn. Earn might have been known. That thumb is not where it's at. Yo, so can we talk about the activists? Yes. In yeah, this wait, episode? Before, yes. Before we get to them, before we get to them real quick, because that is the meat yeah, of this. Yeah. I do want to ask, like, what's up with Van and Nern? Was that purely a distract, distraction hookup? Was that just like we got the hotel room and this weird shit happened? Or like, you know, is is there more more to it than that? I can't tell. Like at the you know, at the end, you know, when he wakes up and she's not there, he's clearly disappointed. Right. So maybe he he feels some kind of way still about her, but she's probably like, oh, let me yeah, get some dick and I'm out. Right. It seemed like to her, the way she moves, and this is also part of why she's a seven, is that she <laughs> <laughs> she's just she's just doing shit. You know what I'm saying? There's no rhyme or yeah. reason. Like, it seems mm-hmm. she's like purely trying to stimulate herself and that's it there's it's no like oh I'm, she just wants to feel something yeah i'm just going through this time in my life i want to feel something i want to go somewhere i want to eat something i want to look at this i want to do that and i'm not really caring about the bigger picture or what all this shit means i'm just trying to do whatever fuck i want to do so but you know what i'm gonna say this like as a black woman and a mom like we don't get the opportunity to live like that. We never right. get the opportunity yeah. to just go out and do whatever the fuck we want. Right. I remember, you know, when I was, you know, still with my son's dad and he was traveling, you know, playing ball overseas. He's going to beautiful places like the Philippines and he's out here living life. And I'm home with my toddler. I'm stuck in the house. I can't do shit, really. Like I can go to the park. You know, I can probably fly, you know, to North Carolina and see my family, but I'm not able to go out and just experience because I'm expected to be here and just raise my child. I don't really get to get out here and live life like men get to. And so it's actually pretty cool to see Van out here doing whatever the fuck she wants. And like when he's like, you know, even your mom doesn't even know where you are. And it's like. Yeah, can you imagine that? Exactly. Also, you mentioned her, so we got to shout her out. The real MVP of this family right now is Grandma watching the kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Watching she's that baby. That's right. Yeah, she's, she's the real mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. While, while uh, neither one of them are taking care right. of their child. They don't even FaceTime the kid or nothing. <laughs> like, just out here in the streets, in these European streets, getting it in. And but it men seems like we have that luxury to do that. Women, right. when we take time for ourselves, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. And I and I guess I have to congratulate her for that. And, you know, like she's taking out, full advantage of it. Right. Shouts out. Shouts out to her for flipping Being the script on niggas. Yeah. yeah, it's a strong seven. It's not the whack seven. She's <laughs> could still get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> But yes, yes. Let's get to the oh the board meeting. This, I I really love the performance from Viseo Akinade as Khalil. I thought he was awesome, and yeah. he kind of starts. He starts one way, and by the end of the episode, you realize that he's not bullshitting, and like he he just has done enough of these to know how it works. 
But I I mean I gotta defer I gotta defer to the two of you. DeMarco. What do we make <laughs> of this dude DeMarco, huh? Was that the daddy uh, Yankee looking guy? Yeah. <laughs> that was the guy that, did, that Paperboy did not like. <laughs> yeah. Yo, I, I I really I guess he's just kinda like the Sean King. Because Paperboy continued to question, like, are you black? And he right. never said yes or no. He never yeah. gave an answer. But he's just out here saying nigga this, nigga that. And Paperboy is just like, does he say nigga a lot? Like, it just <laughs> yeah. doesn't sound right when he says it. It doesn't like, sound yeah, right. Doesn't. And, <laughs> and I want to say this. Okay, so my son's dad is African. And so I visited his country, was there for like a month and a half. Beautiful, love the people. But it always rubbed me the wrong way when they use nigga. I yeah. feel like it's an American black it's thing. It's a black American. Guys, we pay the price to be able to use exactly. nigga exclusively. It is exclusively is, ours. Everybody should understand that. And it's East African at that. So you guys are on the other end of the continent. Like, I, right. okay, I could see some West Africans using it. I can right, see right, that. Right, right, right. But the East African, I was just so like confused by like, Whenever yeah. I hear African people say nigga, it just really throws me off. I'm sorry. It sounds right. Sorry, wrong. but not sorry. It doesn't <laughs> sound right. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, yeah. I don't think he should have been saying nigga in the episode. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they made a good point. And then it was funny how they had, like, the black assistant. And she's like, oh, yeah, I got a 60K discretionary fund. Like, and everyone was like, well, huh? As soon as she started talking me, money, me, it's like, me, oh, money, okay, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody yeah, was trying I, to filter that. So did you notice that Khalil was wearing a safety vest? With that, said BL, <laughs> that said BLM on it, right? It said BLM, yep. Yeah. And so I guess that's kind of like a shot at, at D-Ray. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I peeped that. I was like, damn, taking shots at my nigga. I guess he didn't fuck with him. <laughs> but there's some people who don't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know don't. the I don't know the particulars of his activism. And, you know, right. like I know pretty much all these people have been called into question at some point, though. Right. Like mm -hmm. these yep. activists, these online social media activists. Um, it's tough <laughs> because it's like. Yeah, like where did this come from? What is this rooted in? Like, what's really behind all this? Y'all ain't doing no Black Panther shit. You know what I'm saying? Y'all ain't starting no fucking schools. <laughs> Yo, or, well, like, they are what doing you some Black Panther shit because they're going exactly. to the Black Panther too. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and right. And this is like bad. the second time they've referenced Black Panther. Who did they season? say was in Black Panther too? I didn't write it down. Lorenz Tate and Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Lorenz Tate. <laughs> Remember Jason said this one. Lorenz is uh, black famous. Yeah, Lorenz said this. Say that. Famous. Yeah, I did. Yes, he's one of those black famous. Oh, man. Oh my gosh. So I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, I've heard the saying that 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 where there's pain, there's profit. Right. And you know, Khalil said, "Hey, I haven't paid for a meal in seventy-three police shootings." Oof. That's cold. It's like. Mm. He also greeted Paperboy with, first time apologizing for white people." It's like, oh, let me show you how to do this. And then, of course, Paperboy, like, it's the first question he gets asked is, is racism over? <laughs> this is crazy. This is crazy. What was that like, panel? Oh, my God. 
I don't know, dude. He's like, we're going to turn it over to our experts. Oh. <laughs> experts in black. It looked like yeah. they was in some sort of weird uh, 18th century courthouse. Like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, it's Europe for you, huh? That shit was a weird-ass spot for them to be having a little press conference in. But I also loved at the beginning of the episode. Like, that was one of my favorite scenes when they're just asking for shit. And then they're just yep. like, yeah, you can have, like, no money, but you can have whatever. And he's like, yeah, let me get three suits. Let me get this. Let me get that. Like, you know? like Yeah, and then it was, I mean, it was a brilliantly written episode. I can't say yeah. enough about that. So we've got Paperboy asking for all the shit. Then we got Ern saying to him, like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Like, we should be investing in black businesses. We should be, you know, reinvesting in the community, all that. And Paperboy at first is like, well, you know, I'm just thinking ahead in terms of, like, having a hookup in the fashion world and, you know, getting stuff for free. And, and then Ern tells him, you know, you should learn the business so that then you can do it on your own. And then Paperboy essentially steals all of Ern's ideas right. later in the mm. meeting. Which is classic, right? When you when you have somebody tell you something, you're like, that's a terrible idea. And then <laughs> an hour later, you're regurgitating it as your own. Mm -hmm. And then he gets himself kind of screwed by doing that, too, because mm -hmm. he records the thing for the commercial, and then they just take it and make the commercial. And then, you know, I'm sure, based on what you guys just said, you weren't a big fan of the guy that closed out the commercial, as the only <laughs> black person in the commercial, oh uh, man, what was sacks. yeah? What was this? What was the saying that they were using? Reinvest in your hood. Reinvest nah, but, in your hood. But what were they saying like throughout Everyone's the commercial? From a hood. Everybody's yeah, everybody's from a hood. From a hood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we man. all have our hood, right? And oh, yeah, my God. It, and then he comes in so angry, and Khalil has to tell him like, "Yo." you're never going to be able to beat this. Like, all you can do yeah. is carve out your own little slice, get yeah. them to give you the money, then you can do whatever you want with that money. And so he learns <laughs> his lesson after all that. But he, wow. He says, he says, why would a company make a project that would teach black people to stop buying their product and reinvest in their own? Why would they fund their own demise? That's not a business. That's a charity. Oh. Yeah. It's like, Devastating. Whoop, there Devastating we go. Devastating line from Khalil. When he when yep. he found out that they gave the money to the Red Cross, I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> Red Cross? That's the worst one. <laughs> the worst one. Yeah. That was my favorite oh. part of the episode. <laughs> it's like Red Cross. I know everyone was like, oh, oh, oh no. Why would yeah. you do that? So it was, but it you was, know, hey, we got to revisit this episode in two years because apparently in two years, racism will be over, according right. to Khalil. Yeah. <laughs> And then yeah. we'll know how it how the beginning and the end started. <laughs> this right. episode of television. <laughs> and and I just want to point out before we end it, like they always end the episode in a way that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, yes, she left, I get it, but like, what the fuck? Like, how is that an ending to the episode? Like what did that mean? What there was no cliff. I she left. What was he picks up the phone and puts it down. I'm like, I, was that supposed to mean something? Like, I was just I confused. I mean, exactly. They ended, the, they ended the first episode with him waking up, right? So, like, I, I think that's kind of a just a thing that they're doing. But, Yo, but the cliffhanger is that she left. I mean, that's that's what it is. 
and we still don't know what she's up to. Like yeah. we, we have no answers about Van. We have to keep watching. Hopefully, well, I'm telling you, the Van out. episode is coming. Coming, it has coming. to be. Stay tuned. And another thing before we go to the uh, showtime uh, or or winning time, you know. <laughs> Whatever um, it is. So, this whole thing about the the letter E is is bugging me because we have Earn and we also have the creepy um, white monster guy who starts the whole season off on the boat. His name is E. And then we have the logos of this brand called Esco Esco, I think it was, with mm-hmm. the E's kind of intertwined. But mm-hmm. it seems like Earn is dreaming of this guy. Like, right. this man is popping up in, in in this dream world. I'm still trying to figure out what E has to do with this whole this whole season. It's, right. it's really starting to, like, annoy me at this point. The E's are driving me nuts. The E's? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the E's. Um, that's yeah, a great... If you look at the brand, the yeah, E's kind of, like, face Yeah, it was like another. a two-minute... Like, what is that? Yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. that. Maybe yeah. it's some sort of Illuminati symbol that we don't know about. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. So B in the in the pilot episode, he's credited as white. And in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the reparations episode, he's credited as E. Uh huh. So I guess you know we'll have to. St- that's another stay tuned when he comes back again, which he will. Oh. We know he'll better. be back. We know yeah. this because he's not done. So we'll have to see. We got white E and we got black E. Is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shout out to my nigga. Not white E. <laughs> my nigga Earn. My lovely mother came to visit me and my son for a few weeks. And I thought I knew my mom better than anyone. One day we were chatting and I heard a story I'd never heard before. That got me wondering, how many other stories don't I know? That's why I got my mom's StoryWord. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones connect through sharing stories and memories and preserves them for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your mom a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of, like, what's some of the best advice your mother gave you? Or, if you were to do it all over, what would you do differently? Or my favorite, what have you changed your mind about over the years? I've really enjoyed reading my mom's answer to those questions. I've discovered stories and memories I've never heard about, and I've learned new things about stories I thought I really knew. Like, I found out that my mom put me up for adoption. I mean, she got me back, but she put me up for adoption. Anyway, after one year, StoryWorth compiles all of those questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. You know, if I have a daughter, I'm gonna pass it down to her. I mean, I can give it to my son as well. He loves his Mimi. Give all the moms in your life a meaningful gift you'll both cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you'll save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com bomb. That's S-T-O-R-Y w-o-r-t-h dot com slash b-o-m-m to save ten dollars on your first purchase storywork.com slash bomb hello listener 
Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Winning time, California dreaming. Ow, that's right. They came with another heater. It's interesting, though, I will say about the two different shows is that, like, I don't know if what this means in particular, but it's something I just noticed about myself with it. I remember Atlanta without having to take any notes. I have to take notes for, for um, <clears throat> winning time. And I don't know is if it that means it's longer or. I don't know if that's why I'm trying to think like is it because it's longer is it because it's more in-depth entertaining like do I like it more or is it just like harder for me to remember I don't know but it was just something that I found interesting because I'm like yeah whenever I talk about Atlanta I kind of remember everything that happened um, I mean that is interesting I watched Atlanta on Fridays so it's definitely a little fuzzier for me until mm-hmm. we start getting into it and then I'm like oh yeah I remember this now I remember that but but winning time I mean it's interesting i think it's because they've really kind of settled into a rhythm right so it's like mm-hmm. each atlanta episode is very different yeah right don't i think know okay i think that, yeah i think that might be a part it's of like, it like is this the episode where yeah you know, yeah paul yeah, did and this I th- or is this the episode where magic and cookie said that it's kind of more of a flow right for sure i think you're 100 percent right about that so yeah, so this episode we got yeah we got a lot of magic and cookie and Paul and Pat and Jack. Um, they invented the triangle offense in this episode because we got the three coaches duking it out. You know, I know that <laughs> Trek's right. winners a little bit later in this winning time series, but lots of yeah. triangles going on here. Yeah, a it, lot. It, that's the theme. 
Triangles. Triangles everywhere from Cookie uh-huh. Magic and Rhonda. Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> I love when Bernie Mac did that in uh, Kings of Comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Is Phil going to make an appearance on this show? I mean, if they have their way, you know, so, it'll. So somebody, it'll so go. I was actually. Yeah, I was actually talking to somebody about the show the other day, and they were saying they heard that season two is going to be Kobe and Shaq. That's too much. No, they can't, what? They can't jump that far. What would they know? That's what that's what they said, and I was like, "What? That seems crazy." They'd have to like, lit- like they'd have to literally get rid of all their actors except for Dusty yeah, Riley. You know? Exactly, so, and I was like, "What?" Happen. But do you think that the show will ever get to that? Will it jump around like that? I don't think it'll jump, but I'm saying like. They got they got the magic '80s run to do right. Yeah. They got five chips. They got the weird cold open flash yeah. forward that apparently we yeah. have to get to at some point. So I would say that that's a good three to four seasons right there. Pat Riley, yeah. It's, and it's so then much I think do. it could get real interesting. And if the show is working, I think you could you know I think you could do Kobe and Shaq. It would be, I mean I like, we just saw them do. Magic and Kareem, so I'm not gonna say it's impossible. Yeah. But casting someone as Shaq? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's yeah, that's gonna be a tough That's that's a little harder somehow. Yeah. Just because like Could Shaq play himself? <laughs> <laughs> could he? I mean If one man could do it. <laughs> yeah. If, if one man would want to do it, it would probably be him as well. It would right. probably be him. <laughs> That yeah. might be the only way out. I see yeah. you there, but it, that's some like because of it, like it's kind of combining the two, right? Because the way they got away with Kareem is they made him pretty reserved for the most part. Mm-hmm. So it's a big dude, but he doesn't have to do too much. Whereas this would be like combining Kareem and Magic into one character, where you need someone who's crazy charismatic, but also enormous. And right. I don't know if you could necessarily <laughs> make that happen. Shaq's one of a kind. <laughs> all the platform boots in the world wouldn't help, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At all. Nah. But, yeah, we, we had a, a really interesting episode. I really loved the end, and I hate to just jump to the end. But, well, I thought the Dr. J stuff was cool, but all the scenes in the locker room this episode when they're in uh, Philly before and after the game with Pat and Paul, all Pat and Paul scenes were really great in this episode. And it's got me thinking about the Shakespeare thing as well. Um, this seems to be a very Shakespearean story as it's panning out, w- you know? I wouldn't know. <laughs> Gotta interject with my Landsberger line of the week. Is Shakespeare still alive? <laughs> yes. Yes. Still alive? Yes. <laughs> I wrote that one white guy. Yeah, Landsberger, baby. Yeah. Landsberger, Landsberger got his but line. Yeah, I mean, Jason, you're right. I think they've definitely geared it that way Be- they've leaned into the paul is a shakespeare professor angle yeah but also to be fair the brilliance of shakespeare is that it still applies to just about everything now so it's it's one of the most easy to interpret of the old yeah. works even though b you know we'll have to take our yeah, word for I, it I on don't this know. one Yep. Yeah, well, it's, I don't, B, to be B, you gotta watch. Or not to be. <laughs> or not to be. <laughs> <laughs> B, you should check out uh, Denzel as Macbeth. Um, 
you you know what i did say that i was going to check it out um because yeah. that's what he was nominated for best actor yeah. right yeah okay yeah but this has sh- shades of Macbeth and julius caesar um basically their stories about kings um hamlet is as well and <clears throat> othello but you know th- these are stories about people being stabbed in the back and usurping the throne and you know all of this uh intrigue between you know politicians governors senators and what happens with men with power um trying to achieve you know very specific goals usually it's a war or something Mm -hmm. afoot this is very much that you know like and it's interesting how hard they're pushing that now particularly in this episode i really liked I, I love Adrian Brody as Pat Riley. I think he's he just, like, keeps getting better. And this was probably better than the last episode. Jerry's scene with magic at the end was great. So it's like, I might want to do this episode in reverse. But when he was, like, <laughs> shyly saying, like, I want to win. And then he, like, perks up and he looks him in the eye. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. again, because I'm from L.A. and you know what it means to win here and how difficult it is to be the person who's at the top of this particular entertainment pyramid of insanity, bullshit, wealth. You know what I'm saying? You have all of these things pulling at you in every direction. To be the person who's at the top of that heap, I mean, you've got to be a supernova, you know? And to show how magic achieves that and basically you know, through the lens of Dr. J of like, yeah, this guy, you know, he's just whining and dining you to soften you up. And then Mm -hmm. Jerry West coming in and saying, basically like, yeah, you're a smiley motherfucker. You don't want to win. You like all the rest of these, you know, niggas who love to smile and hang out. Are you really trying to win? And Magic is like, I'm different. You know, I, I really, I'm here to win. And yeah, I just really felt the spirit of that, that scene. And then going back and the leading up to that yeah i thought it was dope and the guy who played uh, dr j was uh was pretty solid i liked him yeah jordan's uh sutherland he's an 11 time international dunk champion so wait what no that's not yeah 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 i actually i ran into that same issue b um the guy's name is I think it's Julius. So it's not IMDb him? Right now. No, it's actually. James Lashore is the yeah. guy. Oh, shit. Yeah. And he 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 has a very recognizable face. I'm sure the guy that you're talking about shit. is the dunk champion, did all the dunking. Yeah. You know what so I mean? So maybe he was like a, he was like a, a stand-in double. or something? Yeah. 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 Okay. But, yeah, James Lashore, who is most famous for being on the TV shows Men at Work on TBS <laughs> and Las Vegas. Which was on from 2003 to 2008. So, you know, long-time TV veteran. Another example of a guy who is 50 years old playing (laughs) 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 a a current NBA player, just like we got Wood Harris playing Spencer Haywood. But, yeah, I thought he was good. I thought he was charismatic. I I like the the characterization of Dr. J. Yeah. Yeah. The I've actually met Dr. J before. He's oh, a cool ass person. So I was uh, working in a nightclub here in Vegas. It's like 2010. And this is back when like there were no camera phones and people are not like videotaping the whole club experience. People are actually out having a good time in the nightclubs. And I looked down and I just see this 
perfect head of silver hair. And I was like, that has to be Dr. J. Like, it has to be him. And so he stood up and he kind of like turned around to kind of check the whole club out. And I was just like starstruck. Not many people make me like pause and be like, oh shit. But seeing Dr. J, I was like, this is the coolest motherfucker I've ever seen. He's right. just so smooth and suave and just perfect hair. He looked healthy and just, just great. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Dr. J has to, Dr. Dre, Dr. J yeah. has, has to be <laughs> one of the coolest people ever. Who, who would you guys say are on that list? Uh, like Snoop Dogg is on that list, I would think. Mm, cool coolest people? people? Yeah, Snoop Dogg is on there. I mean, yeah. Jack Nicholson, but not in this show. But Jack Nicholson has a certain level of like rage to him. Like he he's is kind cool. Of an asshole, but he's yeah, very yeah. cool though. No, he is very cool. He like would would Hef be on there or are we are we revisionist? I think hating I think on Hef. Over, <laughs> over Hef. I think we miss <laughs> Hef's prime. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe yeah. in a different era, but I mean coolest, coolest, coolest. Who's the coolest? Uh, I think Rick Ross is cool. Rick Ross is pretty cool. He's a yeah. cool guy. I mean, Barack he's Obama. Cool Bar- Barack Obama's definitely super cool. cool. I think he's Jay Z. Jay Z is one of the coolest people. I don't, right? I don't know about that. Okay, okay. I don't know if he's up, <laughs> I don't know if he's up on the level that we're describing. That's all. No, I mean, you're obviously, right. Obviously, he's a cool man. I'm not trying to take <laughs> or disparage yeah. Jay Z at all, but is yeah, Pharrell cool? cool? Pharrell will be on that list. Pharrell would definitely be on that list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's got to be some well, more like we nailed yeah. it, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. good. List. I was trying to think. I was trying to think if it was any of like, <laughs> oh, like other non like black American guys. Yeah, I was trying to think of some white folks. I mean, yeah, like George Clooney's really cool. George Clooney's pretty cool. Matthew McConaughey seems like a cool guy. Different type yeah. of cool. Cool, different type of cool. Yeah. Brad Pitt's like, got a cool are we, factor. Are we thinking like what makes somebody cool? Is it like the universal ability to like? just fit in anywhere yeah i think they have to have a certain essence like like um like even like a travis barker is very cool like yeah like you know like travis barker is a good one yeah yeah like very loved everywhere like you know well like grandma grandmas love them you know what i'm saying and the young people love them like that type of vibe speaking of uncool jerry west is still very pissed Wait, the real Jerry West or the, the Jerry West real, in the show? The real Jerry West. He is yeah. not on the cool list. Because right now, he says that he'll take this winning time anger all the way to the Supreme Court. This are we is go- wild. <laughs> are we, we going to get a season do, two? <laughs> we got better things to do with our, our tax dollars, Jerry West. To litigate your goddamn grievance, your public image. Says, it's a dramatic character, sir. Let it it's go. Dramatization, interpretation, interpolation. He said, they belittle something good. If I have to, I will take this all the way to Supreme Court. He's pissed. He is not cool about this at all. Damn, Jerry. And my, my main point on this remains, if you watch it, he hasn't watched more than the first episode. Right. Or the sex scene in the second episode. And then he's like, <laughs> fuck this. But you know what the, what the crazy part of it is? I think that's get into them part of the beauty of this show and what i love about it so much is as somebody who like watches all this shit like most things that are based on sports suck like they're they're not good 
they're just not. And most of them aren't based on real people. Most of them are based on a false story, and the ones that are have one real person that's the main, you know, star of the movie that you know Jackie Robinson or whatever, you know, four characters, and then everything else is great. Right, and then the rest of it is just like lines people make up or things people make up around their story, right? Right. Um, And then like most of it, even in Forty Two, is like kind of self serious. You know, that's the other Mm -hmm. thing is like. Most sports things that are dealing with real people are not handled with any type of comedic or dramatic element. It's all trying to be very serious and hold this kind of esteem about these people as if they're God. You know, it's kind of like Muhammad Ali and all that type of stuff, right? So I get it because this is kind of a departure from all of that. This is a comedic dramatization of real events that are athletic and you know involving sports so usually if you have something like this it's like above the rim or some shit or blue chips or something so how do you guys rank winning time when it comes to like sports movies or anything like related to it? i mean man i didn't know this was gonna be the rankings podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had some time to prep uh I mean, like in terms of nice. the actual basketball which they've been going away from even more it feels like lately yeah i would say that it's not in like my top five or anything like that i would say overall once we in terms of just like a product it's pretty damn good and i'm just like the only real questions i have are like how are they gonna jump from the all-star break to the end of the year in two episodes And well, they jumped 40 games in the last I know. They did, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, just, it's like, are we going to open up next week's episode? It's like, it's the playoffs. It's like, what? Yeah, that's exactly it. Why? Well, that's exactly what they're going to do. Let's crunch through the whole playoffs real quick. But, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really, you know, I don't feel great about ranking things before they're done. But I would mm-hmm. say what I've seen so far, this is definitely like a top five, top ten potential sports piece of media in the culture. Okay. Definitely. Of uh, uh, fictional, you know? Fiction, like, fictional, yeah. yeah. Not um, a documentary, not The Last Dance. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, I mean, honestly, I like, I have this Best of Michael Jordan DVD that I bought when I was, like, 13 years old. This has got six games of his. If mm. that were in the running, that would be number one. So right. <laughs> it's kind of tough to beat. That's nostalgia yeah. for you. <laughs> right. And that's another thing about it is that it's tough to beat the actual – events themselves like if you see them you know the last dance or you know magic's doing his they call me magic thing and you know um maybe we'll get into that once that's done but yeah (laughs) i i understand as a person how it would be for jerry west to experience this and not be able to divorce yourself from the situation he's going about it the wrong way but i do empathize with his like his place B, what about you? Um, I'm really, really enjoying it because I, I'm learning a lot about what happened in this season. It, seeing these real events kind of weaved in and out. I'm, I'm really enjoying this. It's up there for me. I love all the moments um, in which Paul says he has to go pee um, during yeah. the episode. He says, I have to use the John. Then he says, I have to hit the head. Then finally he says, I got to piss. And then uh, he yells at Pat. Just let me fucking pee in peace. 
before he eventually uh, pisses blood and passes a stone. Ugh. Ugh. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but as far as, um, you know, this was a, a pretty heavy episode when it came to Dr. Buss and his situation with his mom, who pretty much broke out of the hospital. <laughs> She was right. able to get out and because, you know, she didn't want to die in the hospital. She wanted to, you know, go on her own terms, but hide her true condition from her son. I like the the conversation that Mama Buzz had with with Jeannie, mm-hmm. where she said, um, you know, that's what it is to love a man, that men are weak and they're feeble and they need a show. And over men. Yeah. <laughs> Leftover men. Yeah, she said, I refuse to kick the bucket under the fluorescent lights, going out like Cleopatra with a great wig and a stiff drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, I do lines. think it is interesting. I mean, I like I get I get the arc that they've done, you know, Sally Field doing a great job. It is interesting that <laughs> Jerry Buss hasn't done anything basketball related or anything money related in like two episodes. It's been mm-hmm. all locked in on this family shit. And like I mm-hmm. I get that. It's like a show construction thing, right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. like he's got a fucking coaching power struggle happening. And he's doing absolutely nothing about it. It seems like he's not even engaged with the team. It's like, and he's not even—it's not even like he's partying or anything, you know. Like he's just at the forum club chilling. It's like he's well, he's engaged with someone. Assumed. That's oh, god damn. <laughs> and that, yes. Yeah, and he's. That. Uh, <laughs> and and Jeannie calls him out for it, and he still taps. Oh Good yes, God. Have he's you that no grief. shame? No, he's shameless. He he used he's that shameless. good old grief. Which is on Showtime, not HBO. <laughs> <laughs> Crying those crocodile tears and some nice titties. Yeah. I was like, damn, girl, it's hot. Hey, California dreaming, y'all. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I, that was a great moment <laughs> when he's sitting there un, uh, unbuttoning her shirt as he's like sort of half sobbing. Um, that was a great little acting moment by <laughs> John C. Riley there. <laughs> So uh, let me let me ask you two. So the the how do you s- Spencer Haywood debate right? So we've got we've got Pat who has the scars literally on his knee and can relate to this guy, and he wants to get him some rest because they know they're going to need him for the playoffs, and he's talking to a man to man, and then. Jack McKinney comes back into the picture, and he's like, no, nah, we got to get this dude shots. He's got to be putting up numbers. Like, we need to wear him down. Like, we need to get him running. And then it, and then it's uh, it's Jason Siegel, right? It's uh, it's Paul Westhead who wants to trade him? Or is that also Pat? I can't remember. No, right Pat, Pat wanted to. So Pat's whole scheme, and this is kind of showing the ruthlessness of Pat Riley, right? And that's mm-hmm. kind of the character arc that they're – starting to build with him is showing that even though he's a fragile in a fragile position right now being kind of shooed away by Jack he's got all of these Machiavellian uh, inclinations to reconstruct the team in his own image and you know um, oh, make right, all these he, moves he wants to make the trade but it doesn't fit the system that's the, yeah that, the yeah Paul Paul doesn't really have any any agency in anything right now right mm-hmm. he's kind of being torn between two fathers it seems like yeah. and, and yeah. so <laughs> and there's so that great there's that great <laughs> moment where it's like 
where Jack is telling him exactly what to do. You're going to go to Pat, and you're going to fire him, and you're going to get him out there. And then he goes and talks to Pat. You're, like, you're going to go to Jack, and you're going <laughs> to tell yeah. him that we need each yeah. other, and you're going to put me on the team. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yes. stone from all the stress. So, yeah. So, part of what they're trying to show with Pat Riley, I feel like, is his, a little bit of his sliminess, if you will, because he's trying to fakely, falsely empathize with um, – Haywood by showing him his own injury and saying, hey, yeah, I just used to tell the coach the same thing. I'll be all right. Maybe, you you know, get it checked out, man. No, we really need you. You know, this team isn't going to make it without you. Meanwhile, he's saying, yeah, no, nah, fuck him. We're going to trade him for Bob McAdoo. You know, um, Bob's an all-star. People don't know that Spencer's that hurt yet. We'll get him to pass a physical. And, you know, like, we're going to upgrade this team. And Jack is like, looking at him like yo what the fuck <laughs> like yeah. when did you when did you when did i die and you get put in charge basically right it's like two months ago motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> also yeah. some good foreshadowing because bob mcadoo will McAdoo. be on his way yeah. he does end up on the lakers he didn't get traded for spencer haywood um obviously we also see spencer haywood uh smoking that rock Woo! <laughs> Crack, rock, crack, rock. Yep. Which is wild. Like, he sweat. Like, what? what is it about, like, showing men doing crack and they're just, like, in a just, <laughs> just sweat? Flop sweat. Fuck? What is it? Like, yeah. you have to have it. What? what? Women aren't sweaty when they smoke crack? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, what is it? Was Holly yeah, Berry I, sweaty when she was doing it? <laughs> she was a little sweaty. I don't she know. Little... Let's ask her. Holly? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking the whole time, man, what a what a terrible trajectory for my man Ace Boogie to see him going from, you know, that to uh Avon Barksdale. He was in jail and now look at him now, he's on the rock. You know, it's just a Dang. sad trajectory for my man, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, but it was grinded down, you know, like that that knee is not gonna last. No, nah, no, it's not. The battering it's been taken so far. No. Jesus. Yeah. So, no, yeah. but it was great. But Wood Harris gave us some great scenes in this episode. You know, that, that scene in the locker room with Pat, but also um, the great scene between them uh, in front of his house was dope because it's like he basically broke down the whole slavery shit, all Pat's bullshit. Yeah, he said, you're just checking my teeth for the auction block. And he said, you come here, you drink my beer, you smile at my baby, yeah. get the fuck out of my house. Like he caught him on his bullshit, and Pat's like, "Where did you hear that?" He's yeah. like, "Don't, don't give a fuck where I hear, where I heard that shit. You said it, right? Like that's what you want to do." So, Pat's full of shit too, man. But yeah, I mean, I, I believe that this power struggle went down something like this, but it is, it is confusing, right? Like we we just don't know enough about what's going on with Jack. Right, like we're getting right. like peaks at it, but I, th I, if it were me, I think I'm siding with with the Jason Siegel where he's like with the Paul Westhead where he says, "Let us finish the year." Right? Yeah. Right. Like you don't want like we already saw what happened when they had to take over for him and how there was the setback. So like it makes sense. But then I totally understand Jack th treating that like a huge betrayal. And being mm -hmm. like, well, you're just going to use m my team to vault yourself. Because he's been the assistant for however long up in Portland, right? And probably all over the league. So, very compelling 
situation on both sides, but yeah. I, but that was a really crazy scene at the hospital when Paul is, you know, recovering and uh, Coach Jack comes in and just kills him with his words. He's just like, he said, you're not capable of more. Yeah. And I know that had to make him feel like, oh, you motherfucker, let me show you. But at the same time, you know. I mean, it did it, though? Because it seemed like he kind of wilted, B. Yeah. I mean, he still feels some sort of loyalty, even though, you know, Jack is like, you stabbed me in the back. You're disloyal. I hired you, you know, because I thought you would understand. And no. No, I hired you because I knew you ain't shit. <laughs> Pretty yeah, much. Basically. Yeah, like he, he talks so yeah, much he shit said, to Yeah, he that said, I picked, you, I picked you because you're not capable of more. You fucking Dylan time. Like, Dylan what? Time. Yeah, that like he was really on some shit, you know. The so if I'm in that hospital bed for two yeah, you know? if if I'm if I'm Paul, I'm off this nigga. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm riding <laughs> right. with Pat, and I mean Pat gave him all of the 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 keys, you know, and that was part of the conversation with Pat's wife. She was telling him, you know, the the basically Pat was saying Paul and Jack are like family. And she said sometimes uh, those chains become shackles or those bonds become shackles and you need to give him the key basically to unlock those shackles. And he Ooh. does outside the house when he tells him like, yo, this is our fucking team. They look at us, you like you're the coach. We won the 50 games. He said, we're the best. Like that moment where he's like, we're the best in the league, dude. Like in not him. League like us and it was like what else can you tell somebody like and then when after that he still didn't get it right and then they were in the locker room and he was like guys fucking wish their whole lives that they could get in this position when he's telling him to like try to convince uh jack to let them coach the rest of the year and he's like like let us finish the year we'll go somewhere else whatever you know and but jack knows like if y'all do that shit, I'm out of a job. <laughs> like they're yep, they gonna keep you, and I'm done. Yep. So he's fighting for his life right now, but it's might be a little too late. Mm. Speaking of too late, somebody <laughs> missed their period. Oh, man, what a transition! <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of fi fighting for their life, a little Urban Junior. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Yo, Rhonda. Oh, Rhonda, Rhonda. Mm. <sighs> my biggest question coming out of that because i mean let's quick recap mm -hmm. magic banged Rhonda last episode now she's pregnant just when it starts to seem like it's going well with cookie it's not but why is cookie like she's my friend right clearly she's not your, not fucking your friend she's not your friend, girl. She's not your friend. That's not a friend. No. And she's, and like we, you know, we as the impartial observers knew this from the beginning when she's right. saying all that shady stuff a couple episodes back. Like, oh, yeah. I'm the one that introduced you and blah, blah, blah. I'll go to the game if you won't. But Cookie, come on, get a new friend. Yeah, yeah. her speaking about Rhonda in the present tense was like, girl, are you okay? <laughs> like, no, she's not, you're not friends. She was, quote unquote, your friend. Now she's having your man's baby. Like, nah. Mm. And now you're going to have to see her around town and on campus with your soulmate's child inside of Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. heartbreaking. You better than me, Cookie. 
So I liked the whole dynamic where we have Cookie and Magic, how she's in town and she has the whole job offer in Detroit, but she also has an opportunity to come to LA and he was just not excited. She was like, well, Detroit it is. And he's just like, no, no, like I want you here. No, Magic, no, Magic, just stop. Come on, Magic, yeah, right. And even, and even after saying all of this and trying to you know, make Cookie feel better in that moment, Five seconds later, he just introduces her as Cookie. Like, not my girlfriend, not, no, it's just nah. Cookie. Like, this, come on, This dog. Cookie. <laughs> come on, <laughs> this Cookie. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> Erletha Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Magic, not too sharp on his toes in these social situations, you know? Like, no. he's, he's dynamic on the court. He's got vision a couple steps ahead, but nah, not, not smooth. <laughs> not at all. His uh, conversations. Uh, yeah, no, but that's not, he doesn't, he doesn't need to be. <laughs> and that's, that's really the catch of it all, you know, is that as long as he does what he needs to do on the court, uh, everything else will fall into place and everybody yeah. else will be, will be in the, in the orbit where they need to be. What'd you guys think about the cold open with the, with the mile? This is the second week in a row that we've done these little cold open lectures and mm. I'm not I'm not a fan. Yeah. I don't like it. I mean, it's like, all right, cool. Let's get to the what did, potatoes. What yeah, what did that really have to do with the episode? Cuz I was like nothing. I didn't get, Yeah. I was like, how did that directly the, correlate to what y'all just showed me? It's a giant history lesson about how if no one thought you could do it and then you did it, then, you know, like you defied expectations and like that challenges people to achieve. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I guess that's a, another theme of the show, but like, I mean, on, like the, the one last week with the monopoly, like at the very least they played monopoly. Exactly. In that, in exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. We didn't have anybody running any goddamn three minute miles during the episode. So it was just like, Ooh, look, we can, freeze time and have Dr. Buss walk through the whole arena as Michael Cooper dunks this alley-oop. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't feeling it. I was waiting for the correlation to happen and it didn't. Yeah, it was so kind of like Jason, nonsensical. are you still saying uh, every episode has been better than the last or, or do you have a favorite episode of the ones we've done so far? I think the last one was better than this one, but I liked the end of this episode the I, I loved the emotions that I felt at the end of this episode with the music. Anytime they play like a slower version of like a classic song, it's always going to work on me. They do that a lot nowadays, uh, like they did in the Batman and what have you. And, and yeah, like kind of getting to the core of what makes these people special. And I think this episode did that in terms of magic, you know, in terms of Pat Riley showing how they became the winners they are and the different aspects of their personalities. You know, Pat is not like Magic. Magic is not like Pat, but they both want to win by any means. And, you know, that is all of all of their pursuits in life are to that end, you know, and that's kind of what we see. And that's what I really enjoyed about this episode. What do you guys think about our Larry Bird appearances in, in this show, in this episode? His dynamic with the commissioners. Yeah, right. I mean, I that's I was actually gonna bring that up. I really thought the the guy who's playing Larry O'Brien, who is you know David Stern is like the the name we know because he becomes a commissioner, but uh -huh. his current boss, the actual commissioner, is this 
poofy white haired dude named Larry O'Brien who's always like, Hey, how's it going? Yes, have a drink and talk about Larry Bird. Like he's just he's mm. always turned <laughs> up. He has no idea apparently like what happens in basketball. It doesn't seem like he gives a shit at all. He's just right. there to like hang out. And so he's kinda like a Jerry Buss like older version, right? Like yeah. that's that's the type of owner that we're used to. So I, I enjoyed that. I think they've done a good job of turning Larry Bird into like the pretty silent villain. Yeah. You know? I love and the music every time he, he mm-hmm. uh enters the scene. I love it. Yeah, I think they they do a good job of portraying him as kinda like this boring character, like doesn't really talk a lot, you know, isn't interested in the media or you know, shaking hands and kissing babies. <laughs> yeah, and he just wants a bud. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think they, they do a pretty decent job with Larry. Um, yeah, I like the David Stern Darth Vader conversation yeah. that they had. Uh, that was that was a dope scene because yeah, that was very much a part of the misconception and the kind of changing of the tide of even black athletes in America and the way that they reviewed was Magic bringing a smile and um, the force that he had to that side of what people thought of black people and. Only then could we get uh, Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods or, you know, other people like that where it wasn't just like, oh, this big brute of a guy. We love Muhammad Ali. He knocks people out. Like, but he's super serious. You know, like magic changed the culture of how I think the world in a larger sense, like viewed black men and black people uh, through. And through when that. he came in from that dinner, he was just so excited, like just talking about how he just ran that dinner and made, you know, everyone feel so comfortable because he was this vibrant, smiley guy. They they just love him and they are going to kind of cater to him in a way mm-hmm. because he is this person that, and they see a future in what he has to offer because he's so different and so smiley and so happy that they can take, they can put the league on his back and everyone's going to love him and, you know, he's just going to be this superstar. And then, you know, that's when he runs into the news about oh Rhonda. <laughs> oh yeah no he had a line actually that was um that i thought you know perfectly encapsulated who he is and who he represented he said only thing they like more than one of their own is one of us that make them feel comfortable exactly yeah and i was like that was a little genius piece of writing right there guys good mm-hmm. job yeah. yep and then we got that milton burl joke that was apparently a real <laughs> milton burl joke what a Man, way I don't know. All Star <laughs> Weekend, folks. Jesus. Wasn't Milton Berle the, the dude with the cigars? No. The dude with the cigars. What do you mean? No. Who am I thinking of? Who was the short white comedian, old white comedian? But he did. He is a pictured here smoking a cigar. Um, sorry, I was just thinking. Is it George something? See, now I'm just derailing the podcast. I'll come back with that. I'll come back with how the with da- the How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> Jason. I'll come back with the real answer. Um All right. I'll, next episode. So here you go. Here you go. Six comedians known for their trademark cigars. You ready for this? Groucho Marx. Ernie Kovacs. Alan King. George Burns. It's George Burns. That's Ron White and yeah. Milton Berle. Boom. Yeah, Milton Berle did have cigars, but I was thinking of George Burns because um, he has that very unique, like, signature look with the glasses and stuff. But, but yeah, yeah, fuck folks, Milton Berle. <laughs> fuck Milton Berle. Only two episodes left. Only two more episodes to 
Show us a black dick on HBO. Cause this is the podcast for penis equality. Don't you think I forgot about that? One second. And that is going to do it for us this week on Showtime. The podcast about the TV show Winning Time based on the book Showtime, which airs every Sunday on HBO. Not Showtime for Jason Madison, Bethany Anderson. I'm Anthony Mays. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.